The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. We continue today in our series on the life of David entitled, A Man After God's Own Heart. The message today is from 1 Samuel chapter 16, which tells about David being anointed king. We'll begin to look at the anointing of Saul and how he was chosen versus the way David was chosen. You may recall that the people of Israel clamored for a king in disobedience to God. And the king that they got, King Saul, never walked in obedience to God like he should have. David, on the other hand, was a king that was not called for by the people, but anointed by God. And although his obedience wasn't perfect, he focused his life primarily on trying to serve God and to walk by faith. Join us today and tomorrow as we look at the contrast between King Saul, who lived primarily in disobedience, and King David, who was anointed by God and was a man after God's own heart. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. In
This morning I want to go back to our series on David, a man after God's own heart. We talked about some of his characteristics in two messages recently. This morning I want to go to into the Word and talk about the anointing of the new king. And to do this, we want to maybe cover some ground that we've covered before a little bit in our overview about David. But I also want to go into more depth and detail about it and also to contrast David with the, the other king. There, you know, there were only, I'll never forget this because there was some kind of scholar's bowl tournament or something when I was in high school. And the question was uh, asked, uh, how many kings of Israel have, were there? And of course you think about all the kings, but talking about the United Kingdom of Israel, there were only three kings. It was Saul, David, and Solomon. After Solomon, the kingdom split into two. The northern kingdom called Israel and the southern kingdom called Judah. But there were only ever three kings of the United Kingdom of Israel. And Saul was the first king. And so this morning I want us to talk about how when David came um, onto the scene, onto the stage of history, and, and was anointed king, we want to talk about the anointing of this new king. But in order to do that, I want us to contrast it with the anointing of Saul as king. And, and so this morning I want us to look at that. You know the history here. At the point where uh, we are in 1 Samuel uh, in the uh, 16th chapter, uh, we are beginning to see that Samuel the prophet is in his uh, decline, if you will, as an authority in, in Israel. And that if, if, at the time that we are here, uh, Israel has asked for a king. And Saul has been set up as king. And as we'll see in the message this morning, the, there came a time when God said, I've rejected Saul as being king. And I am about to send you Samuel to anoint a new king. And so in 1 Samuel chapter 16, in verse 1, we read this, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil, and go, and I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. And this is the time when we see David first come on the scene, as we've already talked about. David, this, this man who we're told was after God's own heart. You know, I, would, I think a man after God's own heart is worth studying, don't you? Now, he's not Christ. Christ is the standard. Christ is the ruler that we measure ourselves by. But David is a man who is called a man after God's own heart. And that's why, you know, there's more written about David than just about anyone else in the Bible, uh, in the Old Testament for certain. There are, there are so many times that David's name is mentioned throughout the Old and New Testament as compared to everybody else. David was a man after God's own heart. And now the time came where God said, I want another king and I'm sending you to, to, uh, to anoint him. So I want to talk about this morning anointing, the anointing of a king. Now, first of all, I want you to look at Saul's and David's selection as king, their selection as king. In 1 Samuel chapter 7, we read in verse 15, and Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. And he went from year to year in circuit to Bethel and to Gilgal and Mizpeh and judged Israel in all those places. And his return was to Ramah, for there was his house, and there he judged Israel, and there he built an altar unto the Lord. Now this is the prelude to the kingdom of Israel. 
And, and you'll recall, we don't have time to go through it this morning, but you'll recall that throughout the history of Israel, uh, God had led them by uh, either someone who was a priest or a prophet or a judge through the book of Judges. And a judge wasn't like what we think of, someone in a black robe sitting up there on a bench today. He was a leader. He was one who came in and he judged between right and wrong. And he judged between truth and, and justice and, and, and wickedness. And, and he would go out and lead them in battle to, uh, to deliver them from the oppression that they faced. Samuel was the last of the judges and the first of the prophets. That's a good transition to remember. Samuel was the last of the judges and the first of the prophets. And after Samuel, uh, for, many, for about 490 years or so, uh, after Samuel, there were kings in Israel and kings in Judah. And leading up to the time when Christ came, which um, Christ now sits on the throne of his father David. He is ruling and reigning today in a spiritual sense. But at this time, God was leading the nation of Israel unlike any other nation around. But we see when it came time for Saul to be selected as king, that Saul's reign was initiated by man. Saul's reign was initiated by man. Look at chapter 8 now. You know, everything's going pretty good in chapter 7. But in chapter 8, sin always enters the picture and always causes problems. In verse 1 it says, And it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. And he tells us their names in verse 2. And in verse 3 he says, And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre and took bribes and perverted judgment. Sin always causes problems, doesn't it? So, what is the response to this? What, what do we do in this situation? Well, in the past, and what God has said to do is you fix the problem. You go in and you, make, you repent, you make changes. Uh, you know, when Eli had this problem, God removed Eli and raised up Samuel. You know, they could, the, the, they could have trusted God in Israel to take care of them under the old way of doing things, the way that God had set up from the beginning. But notice in verse 4 what happened. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. All the, like all the nations. Notice the, the problem here. The problem is they didn't go back to the law. They didn't go back to, the, uh, to the, even the his, historical record. Uh, you know, we're told in the, in the Word of God in 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 10, and I believe it's verse 12, that all the things that happened in the Old Testament were given to us for examples. Well, guess what? The things that were happening in the Old Testament should have been examples to those who lived in Old Testament times. But they said, no, we don't like the way it's going. We're not satisfied with what God set up. You make us a king because we want to be like the nations. But the problem is, child of God, Israel, the kingdom of God, the people of God were not to be like all the other nations. Back over in Exodus, the 19th chapter, in verse 3, listen to what God told Moses to tell the children of Israel. In verse 3 it says, Moses went up unto God. In Exodus chapter 19 and verse 3, Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bare you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. They didn't have a king. 
then. They had Moses, but he wasn't their king. He was, he was of the priestly line. He says, Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And this is the way it was supposed to be for the nation of Israel. In verse 6, And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. You see, they were to be a kingdom of priests. They didn't need a king. They just were to be priests unto God. That is, each man was to look to God for guidance and to, and, and to follow his law. And you didn't need a king to do that. Over in uh, the 33rd chapter of uh, Exodus, he, he continues along this line. In verse 15, he says, And he said unto him, uh, let's see, verse 16, he says, For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? This is Moses talking to the Lord. Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. Anytime God's children decide they want to be like the world, they want to be like the nations, there's a problem. He says here, the way that you'll know, the way we'll know that you're with us, the way others will know, wherein shall it be known that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? It's that you are going with us, God, and we'll be separated, and we'll be your people separate from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. You know that applies today? <laughs> that applies to us today. There should be a difference in us and the world. There should be a difference in the way we live and the way the world lives. There should be a difference in the way we worship and the way the world worships. There should be a difference in what we believe and what the world believes, you see. There should be a difference. But they said, we want to be like the nations. Uh, over in uh, Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 26, I like this, just a quick verse here. It says, and ye shall be holy unto me, God says. Why? For I, the Lord, am holy and have severed you from other people that ye should be mine. I like that. We are God's peculiar treasure. The church particularly today ought to be is, is God's peculiar treasure. It's, it's uh, uh, the way that he, the place he has established to put his name in the Old Testament times. It was the nation of Israel. Today it's the church. It ought to be God's peculiar treasure. But they said, we want to be like the nations. We want to like be, be like them. And back over in 1 Samuel chapter 8 and verse 6, notice what it says. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. Now let me just say this too. I'm thankful that what we've had here in this congregation, in this church has been, you know, I can't think of a time that, uh, that something, some action has been taken by the congregation that has displeased me, you know, or has, uh, or things that have happened. I mean, there's things we all do every day that displease the Lord, but there's nothing that, um, you know, that has caused grief to me as pastor. You know, that's a, you know, we're told, and it's over in the book of Hebrews, he talks about the pastors watching for your souls. And it says, uh, it says, uh, uh, basically pay attention, uh, give heed to them that have the rule over you. That's the elders and the bishops, the pastors that have the rule over the congregation, not in a tyrant way, but in a spiritual sense that, uh, that it's my job to stand here and to preach you uh, the word of God and what it says. And it says, give heed to that person who has the rule over you because he says, for they watch for your souls that he may give account of it with joy and not with grief. 
Now, now the point here is, is that is that when I preach and you listen, and it's from the Word of God, and it's not just my opinion, it's something from the Word of God, that gives me joy. When I preach it from the Word of God and you don't listen, uh, and, 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 and sometimes, and we've had, we've had it happen where it becomes so egregious and open that, that it's something that, that I, I, I'm, my heart breaks and I have to deal with that. There are situations I've run across in my ministry where I remain heartbroken today and I remain grieving over it, you see. And what he's saying is here, he's saying, listen to that person. Listen to the Word of God. Listen to the man who's preaching you the truth because if you don't, it causes problems. And it says this displeased Samuel, but notice what he didn't do. He didn't get up and start browbeating the congregation, did he? No, the first thing he did. Eventually, you know, if something were to get so out of whack in this church that um, that's clearly um, opposed to the things of the Word of God, I'd have a duty to preach about it. I'd have a duty to come to you about it or talk to you about it. I'd have a duty as pastor to deal with it in some way to preach about it. But you notice what Samuel did? He didn't go running immediately and say, whoa, I'm mad and I want to tell you about it. <laughs> no, the first thing he did is it displeased him, but Samuel prayed yeah. unto the Lord. Let me tell you something, you young men, any of you young men that may have a call to preach one day, if you're not availing yourselves of prayer, if you're not availing yourselves and engaging in prayer on a daily basis, fervently praying to God, then you're going to have problems in your ministry. You know when I have the most problems as pastor and preacher? It's when I forget to pray. You say, you forget to pray? I'm sorry. I confess to you, it happens. You know why? Because I'm Adam multiplied. I'm a sinner. I have great intentions, Brother Chuck. I lay down at night, and I'm going to pray, and I think sometimes I pray all night because I go to sleep praying, and I wake up praying. <laughs> I just can't remember when I quit praying. I can't remember when because I, I, I hit the pillow, and I'm gonna, now I'm going to pray. I'm fine. I'm going to pray, and next thing you know, I'm snored away. You know, See, I'm weak. I'm weak. But Samuel was weak, but he, was, he understood that prayer was where his strength lay. And he goes to the Lord, and the Lord tells Samuel, he says, Hearken unto the voice of the people and all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. Now that's another thing that I want to say to you about preaching. If, if a man is truly called of God and is preaching the Word of God and the people don't listen to that, sometimes the man gets mad. Now, I, I, I'm a man and we all get, you know, we all have our own passions and our own particular weaknesses and that sort of thing. And, and so I've seen preachers get mad. I'm sure there's something that could be done that I would get mad. And there are times when I may have, I've, I've gotten frustrated before in all this. But, uh, but I want to say to you that uh, any, other, any preacher that understands the Word of God, they must understand that when people reject his preaching, they're not rejecting him, they're rejecting the Word of God. I didn't come up with this. <laughs> I didn't come up with this. I didn't, I didn't sit down and write the ten suggestions, I mean commandments. Isn't that what they are today? Ten suggestions. That's what people think. Anyway, they're ten commandments, though. <laughs> they're ten commandments. I didn't write them down as ten. I didn't write those down. God did. If you violate one, you're not, you're not really... It's, I'm not... I may take it personally. I may get upset about it. I may be frustrated. I may be heartbroken over it. But it's really rejecting God. 
And that's what God's telling Samuel here. He said, listen, they're rejecting me, not you. And, you know, which brings us to that point that I always try to remind you and me of, especially me, is that it ain't about us. <laughs> it ain't about you and it ain't about me. It's about God, you see. We're not here this morning about us. If this was about me, I'd, I'd probably, you know, go down to the pond or the river somewhere and be fishing, you know. It'd be, if this was all about me and what I want to do, there's a lot of things I could be doing that would uh, be pleasing to the flesh, but this is about God, and this is about serving Him, you see. So, God says, I'm not pleased. This is a rejection of me. And then in verses 8, through, through 18, Samuel describes the kingship to him. And we won't read it all. But notice that as some of the points here. It says this in verse 11, he says, okay, you want a king? Let me tell you about your king. This will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself, for his chariots, and to be his horsemen. And some shall run before his chariots. And he'll appoint captains over thousands and captains over fifties. And he talks about reaping their, his harvest. And, and he'll, he'll bring some in to be cooks. And in verse 14, he'll take your fields and your vineyards and the best of them and give them to his servants. He goes on to tell them all the things that will happen. In verse 18, he says, And ye shall cry out in that day because of your king, which ye shall have chosen you. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. Now keep that thought. We, we're going to come back to it in this series. Because you're going to see, and we may even mention it this morning, that there's going to be a time in the life, particularly of Saul, when God will not hear him. Now that doesn't mean Saul's going to hell. That just means Saul is living in hell here because of his own actions. Just remember, there's a time you can go so far away from God that God will not hear you when, you're, when you pray. You say, wait a minute, I thought he always hears us in repentance. Yes, he does. In repentance, he hears you. In repentance, he hears you. But when you're out there on your own trying to make your own way and going diametrically opposed to the Word of God, you know, Isaiah says, seek you the Lord while he may be found, mm -hmm. which tells us there's a time when the Lord may not be found by you, <laughs> by you and I because he's leaving us to suffer the consequences of our own actions but file that away for a little bit later to, in, in the message it says you shall cry out because of the king which you have chosen you you know basically what God is saying here to him in verse 19 uh, down in, he, he, he said nevertheless the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel and they said nay but we will have a king over us that we also may be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles and Samuel heard the words of the people and rehearsed them in the ears of the Lord not that the Lord needed to know because he knows everything but he, Samuel is talking to the Lord and the Lord said to Samuel hearken unto their voice and make them a king and Samuel said unto the men of Israel, Go ye every man unto his city. You know what God's saying here? God's saying, You want a king? I'll give you a king. I'll give you a king. Be careful what you ask for. Be careful what you ask for, child of God. Uh, over in Hosea, the 13th chapter, the prophet Hosea is talking about some other problems in the nation of Israel. But he comes down to uh, the, the ninth verse of the 13th chapter, and he rehearses in their hearing 
basically a recap of what happened here in 1 Samuel chapter 8. And he says in verse 9, O Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself, but in me is thine help. Now, this is not the same situation. There's other things that are going on here in this time, and it's a different era, but it's basically Israel being disobedient again. It says, In me is thine help. I will be thy king. Where is any other that may save thee in all thy cities and thy, and thy judges of whom thou saidest, give me a king and princes? He's pointing them back to that time. You remember the time, Israel, when you were in trouble before and instead of coming to me as your king, you went to your judges, Samuel, in that day and said, I want a king. And so look at what God says he, does, he did in verse 11. I gave thee a king in mine anger and took him away in my wrath. When men appoint a king to be like the nations, God often will send you your request, but send leanness into your soul, as he tells us in the 106th Psalm. See, that's what happened here. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J. C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.